your Bibles and turn to Psalm 19. As I said this morning in the first service, after Scott's prayer and the singing and those wonderful words, I'm not sure we need a sermon. <laughs> it's just, just absolutely amazing. Uh, my name is Bob Burris. My wife and I, Vicki, we um, are members here at Christ Community Church, and we um, serve first hour in the preschool. And so um, here in second hour, you are my peeps. So um, it's good to see you this morning. Um, psalm 19, my goal this morning is to uncover the meaning of this psalm in the context of the entire Bible so that you will love and treasure and desire God more than any other treasure in your life. More than football, more than your wife or kids or husband or job or health or a new car, that the reality of God and His glory as revealed in Jesus Christ would so absolutely astound you that it would control everything you think and everything that you do. That's my goal this morning. Jeremiah 1.12 says that God is watching over His Word to perform it. That is how God does things, through His Word. That's how He created, through His Word. He sent His Son, who was His Word, to live and to die and to rise. And so we're going to look at His Word this morning. And as Psalm 119, which is a longer version of Psalm 19... As Psalm 119, 18 says, open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. We're going to pray this morning that God would open our eyes. Let's pray together. Our great Father in heaven, we come to you as a desperate people. We ask that you would grant to us by your Holy Spirit eyes and ears and hearts and minds to see the magnificence of your glory that is only found in you. And Father, once we have seen it, once we have seen it, that you would just make us so happy. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So hopefully you wrote down that text, Jeremiah 1.12, He's watching over his word to perform it. So if you want God to do things in your life, read and study and meditate and pray and think about God's word. Because God has promised that if you think about these things, you will understand them. Proverbs chapter 2, he says, think on these things as you're mining for gold. And you don't mine for gold by just kicking the service with your foot. No, it takes work. And the Word of God takes work, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Psalm 19.1, to the choir master, a psalm of David. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There's no speech. There are nor are their words, whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. 
Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. He begins by talking about the glory of God as revealed in the sky. And now he talks about the glory of God revealed in his word. Verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. He's talking about the Bible, the the law, the commandments, the testimonies, the precepts found in the Word of God and the work that they do. And now it moves him in verses 12, 13, to confess. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. And then he closes. Let the words of my mouth I've seen your glory, Lord, and the meditations of my heart. I've seen the grace and kindness and goodness of the sky and of your Son. And so I want everything to be acceptable in your sight because you are my rock. You are the cleft in the rock where I find security and safety. And you are my kinsman redeemer. You are my redeemer, the one who saves me and who owns me. And so we see here that this is a psalm of David, that there's four general sections to this psalm. And he begins in the first six verses, and he tells us that God has a zeal for his own glory, and that he reveals his glory in creation, especially in this psalm as we look at the sky, as we look at the stars. You ever read those statistics about the stars and the galaxies and the universes and trillions and trillions of light years and trillions and trillions of stars? And um, every time I read them and every time uh, I, I check it out, I'm just, I'm just amazed. But only those who have seen the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ can rightly be amazed at creation, at the sky, because The goal of this creation is to declare the glory of God. Have you ever been to Yosemite and gone to one of those ranger talks? And they talk about the greatness of creation and the greatness of evolution or the greatness of mother nature. And I just, if I go to another one, I'm just going to raise my hand. If you don't know Jesus, you will not be able to see it. And notice what God does here. He he gives this to us so that we will be amazed at His glory. The heavens, verse 1, declare the glory of God. The sky proclaims His handiwork. Day to day, 
pours out speech. Night to night reveals knowledge. And then verse 3, there's no speech, there are no words. What's up with that? Whose voice is not heard? Creation speaks, but it doesn't speak in words like this. It speaks in words of beauty and magnificence. And it's, it's the heart of God wanting us to see his glory. And so he, he makes this created universe. And as we look at it, as I like to say, the most obvious thing in the universe is God. It just screams God in his glory. You cannot not see it. Except if your mind has been blinded by the God of this world, you will not see it. Let's keep reading. The end of verse 4. In them he has set a tent for the sun. Okay, God's got a tent. He put the sun in the tent and it's, it's like it comes out of the tent like a bridegroom leaving his chamber. When a bridegroom leaves his chamber, do you think he's concerned about his clothes? His hair? What do you, what do you think's on his mind? Best day of my life, yeah! I love her! I get to be married to her. We don't have to say goodbye at night anymore. Yeah! That's what creation screams, the glory of God. It's exciting. It's desirable. It's joyful. No, notice what else it says. It's like a strong man runs its course with joy. Any runners here? Runners? Wow. It's kind of sparse. <clears throat> well, I used to be a runner. When we lived at our, in the first church where I was a pastor for eight years, Hayfork, I ran six miles every day and 12 on Friday. That is extreme. I loved it. I go down Highland Palm Road three miles and back three miles. It was great. Now, Friday, six miles back, six miles back. And then I wrecked my knees, so now I'm on a bicycle. So I, don't, I, I, I used to understand and experience the joy. But now I experience the joy of a runner in a different way. You know those bicycles with the bars on them and the, the fancy wheels and the guys in the span? That's me. Don't just get the image out of your mind. I understand. <clears throat> it's fun to go fast. It's a lot of fun to go fast. I used to ride a couple of years ago with a group of guys and they were fast. There are four of us, and we get in a line, and we would rotate. And when, you, when you're behind someone, it's 27% easier. Not that we've studied this much. And then you get to the front, and you can go faster, and you kind of wear yourself out, and you rotate to the back. And There's something about going 30, 35 miles an hour on a bicycle that's just like, whoa, I love it. You, you, hear, you kind of see it from football players. They're out there banging each other up and getting, oh, I love it. That's creation. What, let's go back to the running. Um, when you talk about loving running, what comes into your mind? The chariots of fire? Remember? Remember that guy? He, he loved God. He wouldn't run on Sunday, and he's in the final race, and he changes, and he's got that slip of paper in his hand, and 
Is, is he having fun? Oh, yeah, he's happy. He's a happy guy because he's doing what he was made for. Creation was made to proclaim the glory of God, and God is happy to proclaim himself, and he proclaims it in his creation. But I want you to know, it pales in insignificance to the glory of God as revealed in this book. It's nothing. You've been to Yosemite? First time, I still remember first time I went, went through the southern part, you go through that tunnel, and then there's this valley. And we went at a time where there'd been a lot of rain and snow, and it was just like, does this place exist? I'm looking at this. And, and here's, here's something that's true about being amazed at the glory of God. It takes care of your self-centeredness. Nobody goes through that tunnel and looks at Yosemite and thinks in his mind, oh, remember that time I bench-pressed 250 pounds in high school? Or, oh, man, oh, that dress that I found, oh, man, no, 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 no. You're forgetting about yourself. What are you looking at? You're looking at the glory of God as revealed in creation, and you can't put words to it, but you see beauty, and you know you see it when you see it, and it's just glorious. It's just glorious. But it pales in its beauty to verse 7. God's passion for His glory is revealed in His perfect word. Its infinite sweetness, it's the joyful sight of glory because the law of the Lord, he's talking about Torah, he's talking about the Bible, by extension, we, the Bible, the Bible, the scriptures, the 66 books that you hold in your hand, they are perfect. This is perfection. This is the heart of God revealed to us in words on the page. The Apostle Paul says, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard and was not entered a heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him because he's revealed them to us through his spirit. In other words, someone who doesn't know Christ, doesn't know God, has no idea what this book means, what the glory of the book. They just don't know it. It takes the Spirit of God. It takes a restoration of your soul. Look at verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The way your soul gets revived and restored is through the Word of God. James chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1. In fact, let's just turn over there to 1 Peter 1. Over and over again in the Scriptures, it's on page 1688 in my Bible, which none of you have. That's not helpful. It's near the end. Go back from Revelation, Jude, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, 2nd Peter, 1st Peter, chapter 1. This is just a fabulous section of Scripture. 1st Peter 1, verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth... In other words, when you become a Christian, you are obeying the truth. God commands you to repent and turn and believe in the gospel. But it's a command you cannot keep. It's a command that God by His Spirit must come and regenerate your heart, and then you see the gospel, you see the truth, and you're born again. And you know this to be true, because if you're here this morning and you're a Christian, you heard it many, many, many times, and then one day something happened. 
What happened is the Spirit of God opened your heart to believe the truth of the gospel. Having purified your souls by obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding Word of God. You have to have the Word of God to be a Christian. You have to read it for yourself or someone has to tell you or you have to hear it, but it takes the Word of God. You cannot become a Christian by looking at Yosemite. It doesn't work. Romans chapter 1. Creation speaks. It speaks of his judgment, his goodness, his kindness. It does not speak of his grace as found in Jesus Christ. Only this book. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, the flower falls, the word of God remains forever. And this is the good news that was preached to you. And he says in chapter 2 and verse 2, like newborn infants long for this pure spiritual milk, in parentheses, of the word that you may grow. So the word of God that saved you must be the same word of God that you long for the way a baby longs for its mother's milk so that you would grow. We are born again by the word of God and we live by the word of God. The word of God is what revives our soul. The Word of God is what caused you to be born again by the powerful working of the Holy Spirit who took, took what Christ did on the cross and applied it to your heart and washed you clean. You saw the beauty and the glory of Christ and you are born again. And the same thing happens day by day as you sit in front of the Word of God and you say, open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't come easy sometimes. Proverbs chapter 2 says you're not going to find gold by just scuffing, you know, like this. No, it takes work. And it's not necessarily something new. We can kind of get enamored. I know I am. I, I'm reading and I find something new. I'm all excited. That, that's not the excitement. The excitement is you see Jesus and you see him clearer. You see him with clarity. You see who God is. You see, you see your sin for what your sin was. And you see the cross for what the cross is. And you get smaller and the cross gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And all of a sudden, you're, you're not thinking about yourself. You're just thinking about God and his glory. And it makes you happy like a bridegroom coming out of the tent. Like a runner. Yeah, it's work. Let's keep reading. The testimony of the Lord, another word for the Bible, is sure, making wise the simple. It makes us smarter about life. I mean, look around the room. We're not that smart. I'm not that smart. It'll make you wise. You, you read this book and you bow the knee before Christ, and because you love him, you want to obey him? And all of a sudden, you're not so simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, verse 8. Rejoicing the heart. This isn't slavish obedience. No. If, if understood rightly, and if Christ has changed your heart, and, and by the way, you didn't become a Christian by praying a prayer. Here's what happened. One day, you saw Jesus, 
The God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of God in the face of Christ. You saw Christ for who he was. And when you saw him for who he was, you saw your sin for what it was. You needed forgiveness. You believed in Christ because you saw his glory and it caused great joy. That's what happens. If that didn't happen to you, if you, if you look back and you say, well, somehow I missed the glory. Somehow, you probably did miss the glory. Ask God to show you. Say, that guy this morning, I, I don't know. I don't know, but maybe you haven't seen the glory. Because it'll give you joy. It'll give you passion. You know what David does? We're, we're, we're not there yet, but you know what he does after this? He, we, we mentioned it. He goes into repentance and confession. In Psalm 51, it's when David confesses his sin with Bathsheba before God. And in verse 13, he says an amazing thing. He confesses his sin, confesses his sin. He opens up. He, he owns it. He, he weeps. He mourns. And then the very next sentence, he says, then and I'm going to tell others about you and sinners will be converted to you. You know, one of the, one of the ways you know, one of, the, one of the things that ministers to your heart that you've, you've, you've understood the glory of God in the cross and it's enlightened your heart is you, you just want to tell other people about it. You can't, you can't keep it in. You just can't keep it in. Something has to happen. All right? Let me, let me illustrate it this way. Let's say you, um, you got your 20th anniversary coming up. Maybe your 15th, whatever. And so you go buy a dozen red roses and show up at the house, knock on the door, your wife comes, and you say, here, honey, I read in a book that I'm supposed to do this. And uh, so here you go. Now, I've told that story to some women, and they say, I don't care. I just want the roses. <laughs> that doesn't work, does it? It doesn't work. Here's what works. It's your anniversary. You got two dozen roses. You show up the door. You knock on the door and you go, here, here, babe, these are for you. And she says, honey, we can't afford that. That's like two, 200 bucks. Do you, do you? He says, I, I know, but you know what? I, I just couldn't help myself. I just couldn't help myself. That's, that's the kind of love we're talking about here. That's what David's talking about here. You've seen the glory, and you're just astounded. You just, you just can't stand it. It's, just, it's so consumed your heart that you've got to tell other people. You know, Jeremiah says this. He's going through a really bad time. He says, if I try to hold it in, it's like a fire burning in my bones. I got to speak it. Because Jeremiah, you know, he had some bad, you know, people weren't repenting and they were persecuting him and he got beaten and thrown in. And he's like, all right, God, this is a bad gig. I'm not going to say anything else. Okay, I'm done with this. And then he, he goes, oh, brother, I can't hold it in. I can't hold it in. Let's keep reading. I, I think we're in verse 8. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, 
enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. It causes you to stand in reverence and awe before the God of the universe. You're just like, whoa, who is this God that would save a wretch like me? And can it be that I should gain an interest in my Savior's blood? He died for me? Really? I don't know if you noticed, Adam changed some of those words. He, he changed the emptied himself of all but love, which is in the original. It doesn't belong there. He didn't empty himself of all but love. He didn't empty himself of nothing. He was fully God when he died. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true. They're true. This, this isn't fake news. This is true news. I just asked a convicting question. Have you read the true news more than you've watched Fox News? Or other kinds of news? You don't know what's true. This is true. This is true and righteous altogether. Verse 10, more to be desired are they than South Coast Plaza, even, even a new Mercedes, even that wonderful job, even that that new outfit, even that new time trial bike, more to be desired than gold. Let me ask you a question. If I gave you a million dollars, if I said, here's a million bucks, I want you to go shopping at South Coast Plaza, here's a credit card, the million bucks is the pay that you're going to receive for going shopping, and here's the card, it's one of those good everywhere cards with no limits, would you do it? A million bucks, that's what you get when you finish your shopping trip. And you only have to do it for an hour, guys. You know, just for an hour. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also, look at verse 10. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Jeremiah says, thy words were found and I ate them and they came the joy and delight of my heart. I ate your words. You know, we, we uh, get to see my grandson Carter who left. He's cute if you've seen him. But I take Carter and I get to, you know, feel his nice soft cheeks. He's seven months old. You know what I say to him? Carter, I could just eat you. You're so cute. And you smile at me. I could just eat you. Can you just eat the Bible? You just eat it. It's, it's, even in Revelation, the Apostle John, he gets this little book and he eats it and it's sweet. It's sweet. Sweeter also than the honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned and in keeping them there is great reward. He's transitioning now to the confession part. I've seen the glory of God in creation and because my eyes have been opened because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, my soul has been restored. I'm looking at God and His glory and His goodness and His greatness, and I'm thinking, I need to repent. I got some stuff. So what does he say? Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. There's stuff I'm doing. I don't even know what's wrong. I need forgiveness. And then there's stuff I'm doing that my wife tells me is wrong. And my husband and my parents. You know, it, 
it should actually be our knee-jerk response when someone comes and says, hey, Bob, we got a problem here. My knee-jerk response should be, oh, thank you. Thanks for pointing that out. I just, I, I wasn't aware, or I was aware, I thought I could get away with it, or, you know, whatever. But a lot of times we're doing stuff we don't even know what was, and sometimes you read in the Word of God and you, you find stuff. When you've seen the glory, when you see the goodness and the greatness and the perfection of God and understand what Christ did on the cross for sin and what he suffered, man, you just don't want to sin. This is not slavish obedience. This isn't moralism. This is like, I, I have to. I want to. Far be it. How can how could I break his commandments? And then, there's two categories here. The first is stuff he doesn't know about. Look at verse 13. Came back your servant also from presumptuous sins. You've been doing them so long. You ever said, how could that be sinful? No way. I've been, I've been, or, I know it's wrong. Yeah, but you just don't care. You just don't care. You know it's wrong. You know, you say stuff. You know it's wrong. But you, you're just like, you know, God forgives. It's, it's. God and I, we're good. He forgives, you know. It's almost like, it's almost like we're saying, in a, in a sense, well, my job is to sin and God's job is to forgive. We got this good relationship going here. It's, it's, he understands. I, no, he doesn't. <laughs> Keep me back from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. They will have power over you and they will keep you from seeing the glory of God in creation and in His Word. You got that thing? You're thinking of it right now. That was unfair, wasn't it? You're thinking of it right now. I've got this thing and I know I do it and I know it's wrong. Whatever it is, whether it has to do with a credit card, whether it has to do with a substance of some kind that you know too much or too often, or whether it's whatever it is, whether the words of your mouth, you know, you fly. God understands. I just have this temper. I know. It'll block you from seeing the glory. Because on the one hand, you have a Savior who loves you, and on the other hand, you have a sinner who really doesn't get it. What is he? First Peter chapter 3, he says to husbands, look, if you don't live with your wife in an understanding way, the prayers aren't going to be heard. They're going to bounce off the ceiling. You're Sin has consequences. These presumptuous sins, stop presuming. Stop presuming because notice what it says. Look at the end of verse 13. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. There's a sense in there, and don't worry, I believe that as, if God has chosen you, He will complete His work in you. But there's a sense here of the great transgression, you know, you just continue in your sin, and there's warnings in the book of Hebrews. Be careful, brothers and sisters, 
God has called us to holy living. And holy living is happy living. So if you're hanging on to something or not listening to somebody, oh, listen and give thanks. It is God's goodness in your life. Let the words of my mouth, verse 14, and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So, I'm not asking you to worship the Bible. (laughs) But I want you to know this is God's word to you to show you his glory. And the center and the most concentrated and the most powerful, glorious thing about God is that the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again and he's king forever. That's, that's what he told Moses. Moses says, hey, God, show me your glory. What does God do? He says, is this interesting? I will be merciful to whom I will be merciful. And, I'm, and in parenthesis, I'm sending Jesus Christ to die for sinful men so that all who believe in him, all who see the glory, may have life. So, let me just give you some... I'm going to assume that we have folks here who know Christ and are excited and are saying, yeah, I get it. And then there's some folks here who you became a Christian and the glory has kind of faded and you're like, I want, I want you to get reinvigorated. And then there's some of you who don't get any of it because you're not a Christian. So if you're here this morning and you know you're not a Christian, you haven't seen the glory, just say, God, show me your glory. I want to understand what Christ did for me. I want to understand my sin. Uh, Find somebody here at church who knows Christ and knows the glory and talk to them. Open your Bible and read it and pray, open my eyes, Lord, I want to understand. Start with the Gospel of John or the Gospel of Mark. Start Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. But for you believers, I, I just have some recommendations here. Number one. Um, pick up a new translation of the Bible. I used the New American Standard for a hundred years, and then about five years ago, I traded in my New American Standard for this ESV Gospel Transformation Study Bible. I love it. And then a couple years ago, I went over to the Christian Standard Bible. They're all excellent translations, NIV, but if you read it a lot, you're going to just read past phrases. You're just going to You're just going to look at it, and you're going to read past it. So pray and read and think and get a new translation. Number two, get a reading plan. I hear the ladies at church here, there's a group of them in a reading plan. Guys, find a group of guys, get in a reading plan. You know, it's maybe not the best motivation, but sometimes you do the right thing, and when you get going doing the right thing, all of a sudden your heart changes. So get a reading plan, and don't fall behind. Just, just, oh. If, if, if your motivation is at the beginning, well, I don't want to fall behind, and I know Joe here is going to call me and ask me how I'm doing, so I'm going to read. That's okay. Eventually, it will come. If you know Christ, and you're reading this book, it will come. Just pray for it to come. And then, don't stop reading until you've been shocked. If you read, and at the end of your reading, you just say, oh, I'm glad that's over with. That's just a sin. It's just a sin. 
It's confess the sin and go back. Do all things to the glory of God, including reading the Bible. You know, there's a verse in the Bible that says that. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So you read the Bible to the glory of God. So you read the Bible until you see, and you're just amazed at who he is and what he's done. The great topic of this book is God. As revealed in Jesus Christ, he's on every page in every story. Next week, we're going to look at that a little bit more, but God is is the hero in every single section of the Bible, and read it to understand it and to know it. Don't stop reading. Make an appointment to read. It's not going to happen by happenstance. Same place, same time, get a corner, discipline yourself, tell your husband, you know what, I want my half an hour, I want my 45 minutes, take care of the kids, I don't know, I'm putting in the earplugs, whatever. Do the same for him. Be disciplined. It takes work. Reading the Bible and understanding and finding gold takes work. If you're lazy, it's not going to happen. Get resources. There's an ESV study Bible. We got all those books in the back. I've got a billion books at my house, so I'm reading. I don't understand, so I get to pull my book. Buy a book. You get resources for other things. You buy stuff for other things. Buy, Buy good Bible resources. I mean, Ask Rick, ask Tim, those guys, ask Jordan, those guys are smart. I'm, I'm here at this church because I was on an ordination council and Rick came and I go, dude, that guy is smart. That's why I'm here. I'm here for other reasons now. I'm still for that reason, make no mistake. So make an appointment, attend a Bible study group, come to church on a regular basis. I, so I, I have to miss. I'm going to India in um, December, first part of December. I got to miss church December 8th here. I hate it. I'll be in church in India, but I hate it. Come to church every week. There's all. Mark your Bible. I mark my Bibles up like crazy. Highlight it. Usually, when you're reading and you, you see this verse and it's like, whoa. You know what that is? That's the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God speaking to your heart saying, you need that. You need that truth about me. So I underline it, put it on a three-by-five card. You memorize it. It's just um, read with other believers. Um, I guess that's it. Let's pray. Our great and magnificent and astounding Father in heaven. Open our eyes to behold wonderful things about you from your creation and from the scriptures. May we see Jesus and may he revive our souls. Father, for those that are here this morning and don't know him, may they see his glorious cross that the God of the universe, how could it be that he died for me? Father, may it enlighten our eyes and rejoice our hearts. May we live in the fear of you and may we desire your word more than gold, even fine gold. And as we read and understand, may, there be, may, it, may it taste like honey to us. And warn us, Father, 
Give us hearts of repentance. And may we know that you are our rock and our redeemer. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Christ Community Church of Laguna Hills. For more information and resources from Christ Community, visit us at www.ccclh.org.